This week's Curb Your Enthusiasm recap is sponsored by True Car. You know, there's something about True Car a lot of people don't know. Using True Car can help you buy a used car. In fact, there's over 700,000 pre owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy a new or used car, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers, discounts off the list price for used cars, and a better buying experience through the True Car certified dealer network. You'll get to see what other people paid for the car that you want so you know what a fair price is and you can feel confident. And with True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick and easy car buying experience from one of the 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car. With True Car, you'll easily find the new or used car that you want. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 9, Episode 5 is over, but we're just getting started here on the Curb Your Enthusiasm post-show recap podcast about something. And now, here are the two sticklers who never push the reset button. I'm Rob Sesterino. Here's Keep It Winner. Keep It, how are you? Yeah. I thought you were going to go with uh, who never makes semi-horse winnies. No, no, I do that a lot. A lot. It's hard to do that without, like, splashing the person near you. Right. Luckily, I'm just talking into a microphone. So just uh, most of the time, it's just me in a room by myself. Two people who have never observed Chikukas. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, you know, I've been trying to push the reset button on a lot of relationships in my life to uh, no no such luck. Yeah. You want to reset it back to zero? (laughs) Yeah. Um, boy, why did I start talking to this person? Because then you can't go back. Larry should know better that there's no way that once you are in some sort of like conversational relationship with a person, you cannot, you know, unring that bell. Yeah, no, it is very hard to to reset back to back to like just friends, you know, or 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 you know, I mean, a lot of re- it's not resetting. This episode talks about resetting, but a lot of times you want to just cut the cord completely. Mm-hmm. No, can't do it. Can't do it. All right. So a lot to talk about here in thank you for your service. Keeve, is it official that are we halfway through the curb season at this point? Yes, we're exactly halfway through. Every season's 10 episodes, right? We're five, five down, five to go. And this does feel like because, uh, you know, people had said this was going to be a standalone episode. I wouldn't say it's a, a full standalone episode. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, it, because there are elements of things that happen in previous episodes that come up here. And I'm sure if I, you know, if things that come up here will will matter for the final five episodes. But the, I think when people say standalone, it's just there's no fatwa mentioned this episode. OK, now you and I have uh, picked on the fatwa storyline so far this season. Do you feel like that this episode was uh, the best because it did not have it? Uh, well, you think, well, are, are you implying that you think this is the best episode of the five so far? Is that no, what you're I saying? Think that, again, I, I think that there were a lot of things that were good and some things that uh, I definitely want to talk through with you. But I think that we felt like at times the Fatwa stuff ended up being shoehorned in there. This episode did not have to deal with that. Uh, yeah, I agree. There was no reason to shoot. There was no sort of like they didn't they could have certainly, you know, shoehorned it in. Uh, you know, oh, the, some guy on the British. Hey, is he, you know, a fat, is he like part of the fat war or something like that? But mm-hmm. it would have been too similar to last weekend annoying. So I agree. It's 
you know, it, it was a, it was a nice change of pace at the very least. OK. All right. Well, let's just mention up front that you and I are going to be together in New York City coming up uh, one week and a day from when we're recording this podcast on November 7th. You and I will be finally recording the podcast series finale of our Seinfeld rewatch as you and I get together in Manhattan to record the Frogger in front of a live studio audience. Yes, our first live podcast, maybe our last live podcast, probably. But uh, I mean, yeah, in all likelihood, in almost certainly, um, I think. The you know, it, it's weird because we did Seinfeld for so long. It was just like a part of us. Right. It was like such a part of our schedule. Yeah. Every Wednesday at one Eastern or four Eastern, one Pacific, we would talk about Seinfeld. But now it's we've been we haven't been doing it for just a month, maybe five weeks. But it feels like two years that we haven't done the Seinfeld yeah. podcast. And again, when this podcast is over, I mean, uh, you and I uh, actually uh, could very well be uh, pushing the reset button. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. Like going for a full divorce. It's very sad. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not anything that's contentious. No, no, no. Very, no listen, there's divorces. Very congenial. Of people. Yeah. Very, you know, people, um, you know, we'll send each other, uh, you know, holiday cards and stuff like that. Sure. There's plenty of people who are divorced who are just like, you know, that we're, you know, I see him. I, I say hi. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, it, you know, it's not, uh, it's not going to be weird and like no. family events. No, I wish you and Chester the best. Yeah, and I wish you and a lot of people the best. <laughs> All right. Cheating so, on me with a lot of people. Yeah. So we are going to be together in uh, New York City. We uh, have uh, never given out a specific location to where we are going to be. Uh, we had uh, a couple of different irons in the fire, as they say. What we ended up doing was booking a space, uh, which is, how would you describe it? Uh, a little bit of a gallery? Yeah, it's more of it, it looks like an art gallery. Maybe engagement parties happen there. Yes. So it uh, should be a, a nice room to do the show. It's going to be in the Chelsea area of New York City. Uh, the date is going to be uh, Tuesday, November 7th. And we are going to be at 208 West 29th Street. Uh, and uh, we will put up a link to all of this in the Facebook event which is at postshowrecaps.com slash Frogger. Uh, we do have a little bit of a wrinkle that we have to uh, put out there. And because that this was a venue that we had to pay for, uh, that we are going to put up a ticket page. And it's going to be a $10 ticket for this, just really for two reasons. One, that, you know, feels like that we can weed out some of the riffraff and bots if we require a ticket to come to the event. It should, you know, it's a cheap ticket, right? You can't do much for $10 in yeah, New York I think City. Any, yeah, no, you, you certainly can. I think anyone who's going to come I hopefully will. I mean, a peep will, show uh, maybe, but it won't last you know as long as aren't this. expensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how long peep shows last, but um, the... Uh, yeah, anyone who's going to come, I'd assume the $10 should not be a, a deal breaker. We, if it was up to us, we would have made it free, but it just, uh, you know, yeah. nobody's making money on this. That no, uh, full disclosure. You. Yeah, the, the, we had to <laughs> book this space for four hours. Uh, I, the, I believe the capacity of the room is, what, 70 people? Um, yeah, you'd lose even if we if it's if, free, if which we is another reason we need tickets. tickets uh, it's still lose I'll money. still lose a couple hundred dollars uh, on yeah, this. Yeah. So 
uh, that just uh, full full transparency on on everything here. So uh, definitely, we're we're definitely not trying to. This is not a uh, cash grab, as they like to say here. So I'm going to put up a link in the Facebook group uh, on the Facebook event page, and then also you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld ticks T I X. What do you think of that link? Beautiful. Too cute. Too cute. Postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld T I X. That's fine. No, no, I think that's fine. Okay. slash Seinfeld ticks. I got it. Okay. So I will have that up by the time you're listening to this podcast. We'll also uh, tweet about it and post in the uh, various Facebook groups. So hope to see you there. Uh, 208 West 29th Street uh, in Chelsea on the night of November 7th. The festivities are going to get underway at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and we'll be there a little bit earlier if you want to come by. Yeah, we'll, yeah if you want to come earlier and we'll get we'll get you out by nine if you got places to go. Yeah. Also, uh, were you and Chester going to be recording a live uh, 32 fans podcast right before we do the Seinfeld podcast? It's possible. Maybe we'll do a quick pick segment. That's just like 20, 30 minutes. I mean, I'm sure there'll be stuff to do there and there'll be people coming. So uh, I think we'll probably do a quick podcast beforehand. Yeah. yeah Was that but, the uh, night that you guys were doing your live Kevin Spacey movie draft? Oof. Is that what we should do? Dress Spacey movies? Yeah. I haven't been online auction. all day. So I think it was I auction Kevin you said Spacey. you guys were going to do. Kevin Spacey movie <laughs> auction. Yeah. I don't, other than, other than uh, I don't know a lot of Spacey movies, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. History uh, was very kind. I've been anti-Spacey since you 2014. Have, you have. You are sort of, uh, we, even with, with, without good cause. No, no reason. That's not like I. You I'm, knew. I'm saying, you knew like, something was. I knew up. he was a creep. Just yeah. yeah. My my. I guess my creep dar was up a little bit. Okay. You knew. Is there anybody else? Yeah. I mean, do you have this like? Uh, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put anybody in in Spacey's class today. Well, but, I, I you know, think you already in, have. I think you are. If we go and check the Akiva podcast records, uh, have you not said Paul Giamatti is also giving you? He is mm. in terms of your. Oof. Look, and we're not we're not alleging anything against Paul Giamatti, but that you just no. for some reason no, we're saying for sure he did stuff. No, you hate Paul Giamatti for no good reason. Yeah, Giamatti is in my spacey class of like people. But you know, if Giamatti was the star of a show, I probably wouldn't watch it. Similar to Spacey with House of Cards. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. He's well, usually the bad guy. He's Paul not like Giamatti to be the good played guy. John Adams uh, to bring it all back to <laughs> career enthusiasm. And his dad was uh, wasn't his dad like. Um, MLB commissioner for like three weeks. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think he was named commissioner and then he died in like 1989. Okay. Like right afterwards. All right, Keith. Uh, so uh, let's get into uh, this episode where uh, we end up seeing uh, the opening shot from this episode. Larry at the gate of the uh, country club that he is talking to this guy who uh, does he does he have a name? This guy, the the, the security guard. I just in my notes, I just called him. Uh, I just called him like a security guard, parking lot security guard, okay, parking lot security guard. And so uh, Larry is talking to him. I like how he's talking about how he does a lot of these uh, revolutionary war reenactments and he's trying out the accents on Larry. Yeah, I believe he's he's listed as Sal. Sal. OK, yeah, that's right. I think he has uh, a because uh, I have an uncle Sal. Yeah. And there was like a, a placard next to him. Sal. Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. It, it said their names, which is like a weird uh, and even the new guy at the end of the episode, like it had his name on the booth. Yeah, I guess it's like a nice way of showing like this is his, you know, turf. But it's it, you know, you don't usually see that with security guards that they have their own placard. Right. And so uh, Larry ends up getting in and we see that Larry was a little bit annoyed with Sal. It turns out the issue was that Larry rolled down the window once 
And then because of that, that's how he ended up in this sort of conversation. And the move is you never roll down the window in terms of talking to somebody that is a gate attendant. Yeah. Once you once you start that, it's you're basically in a lifetime roll down the window relationship. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's funny that this is a show that is, you know, at least po- and again, we don't know the, necessarily the ratings or the numbers, but, um, you know, this is a show for the one percent. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm or Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast? Curb, no, wow. (laughs) (laughs) But in terms of how many people are dealing with this issue of having to talk to, you know, the the hired help uh, through a rolled down window versus a rolled up window? Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be, you know, people wrote in and, and gave us examples and asked us questions about this. But it could be your security guard at work. That doesn't mean you're, you know, the CEO if you have to you know, make some chit chat with uh, with the security guard or or a doorman. If you live in the city, mm-hmm. um, I agree. It, it's it's a high yeah, class but all, problem. But yeah. Super high class problems. No. Well, some people I mean, if you have just like a random dude who's at work, that doesn't mean you're not like on an assembly line. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just means that someone's uh, right. You know, greeting. you. But this specific issue of rolling down the window versus yeah, not- at the golf club. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so. Uh, <laughs> Larry is talking with uh, Jeff and Richard Lewis, and they're talking about a John Adams book that was Richard Lewis's that Larry borrowed. And uh, Richard Lewis is talking about what a great book it is. Larry calls him out that he hasn't read the book. Yes. Uh, so Richard Lewis, he's such a uh, I mean, it's funny, you know, it's funny. This happens and he's like definitively called out for lying and then admits that he's lying. And mm-hmm. then in the in the Green's house at the engagement party, Larry calls him out for claiming to have dated a garbage woman. Mm-hmm. And we don't really get the answer, but because he's he's sort of like admitting to lying in this scene, you almost have to assume he's lying about sleeping with the garbage woman a couple scenes later. Yeah. Is Richard Lewis a serial liar? I think he is. You ever have that kid in high school who's like, oh, you should see like the girl I was with last week. Like mm-hmm. he's always just telling stories because he's a nerd and he's trying to look cool. Mm-hmm. That's Richard Lewis. Um, th- I think that's Richard Lewis. Yeah. So do we have to question everything that Richard Lewis has ever said on the show? Yeah. 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 Any any fact he said, like, I mean, if he says, like, I'm doing a show tomorrow night, we could probably take that as canon. But yeah, anything he says that could possibly make look make him look even the slightest bit cool, I think, has to be a lie. OK, so we end up with the waiter coming to take everybody's order. There's a special there's a Dover soul. Larry likes his fish broiled and not sauteed. He wants to ask the waiter to broil the fish, but let him know if the waiter makes a face, Keeve. Now, we will end up seeing some dispute over whether or not the waiter or the cook did make a face and whether that face was reported correctly. Did you feel like that this storyline ended up paying off in the episode? Didn't really pay off. Um, there were a few I, you beats know, this to is, it. There were a few beats. I don't think it was bad. I do think if you had to cut anything, this is the only thing you can really cut other than maybe like Richard Lewis garbage can thing or mm-hmm. something, you know, garbage woman thing. Like there isn't much you could cut from this episode, even though it is again about 33 minutes. Yeah. But I do. I was thinking like if you needed to cut something to get to 30, this would obviously be it. I didn't hate the second scene with the chef. But then going back to the waiter afterwards, uh, you know, later in the episode didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. But I also think like Larry has so many unreasonable, crazy requests. I kind of think it's like almost 
self-aware of Larry to be like, you know, I want this, but if it's any hassle, don't worry about it. Right. I actually think that's not the craziest thing. Larry, like going by the face scale is nutty, you know, as opposed to like if the chef, unless the chef's 100% in, don't do it. But, you know, in general, it's not the craziest thing Larry's ever done. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the story was when Larry asked Susie to broil the fish later on in the episode. But maybe let's uh, keep our eyes peeled for a point when we could potentially bring the fish or the face story back into the mix by the end. Yeah. OK, so. Here, Larry is then uh, the table are talking to one of the other club members. Uh, do we know th this guy, his background at all? Well, I got how about this? One second. The last scene of the episode, the chef is outside uh, and <laughs> and uh, Jeff and Susie's future son-in-law like sees the red coats. And then uh, he he makes like the the horse whinny noise, but he makes it so loud that it's like an explosion and it like triggers his PTSD and then he attacks. Them. <laughs> Does he have, have a megaphone? <laughs> yeah, he basically makes it on a megaphone and that, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And that triggers him. Wow. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's the best we have so far. Yeah. If you could beat that, then uh, let me know by the end of the episode, Rob. Yeah. And you could probably beat it. So who is the guy with the baby? Do we uh, that that he is uh, uncredited? I don't think uh, he's uncredited because he speaks. Yeah. But I, I like he's not he's not. I don't think an important person in the scheme of the show. OK, so there's a guy and he has a baby. And so that uh, everybody is looking at pictures of the baby. Uh, you know, Jeff naturally says, OK, uh, you know, beautiful baby. Uh, we then ultimately get Larry looking at the baby and says, the baby looks a little Asian is the comment that Larry gives. I believe the guy's name is Ken. Ken. His name is Ken. I, I think, I, you know, at the time it's like shocking that he says that like to what end, but obviously this pays off by the end of the episode. Yes, it definitely does. Now, Larry is saying that he will apologize if that hurts Ken's feelings but he won't walk back the comment that uh, and he means it as a compliment. Mm -hmm. I, we will see later on in the episode that uh, Mr. Takahashi uh, is presumed to be the biological father of this baby that I wonder if it would have made more sense or if it would have tipped the joke too much to say, oh, you know, is your wife Asian and then have it be like, well, why did you say that? I just don't know why you would ever say to somebody your baby looks Asian when there's no reason to believe that the baby is Asian. Right. Yeah. It, it's a weird thing to say. And then for Larry like, to say, oh, no, that's a compliment. Like, why would anybody yeah. why would you ever say something like that? Yeah. I, I just don't know. Um like, I, you know, I also it's like, could it have been adopted? And then it's an awkward conversation. Like, but again, that's Larry. He says awkward things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. But we do end up getting the wheels in motion for Larry to be expelled from the golf club. So uh, here we have our male carrier and Larry ends up hitting it off with her. And uh, they get into this uh, whole conversation and it turns out that Larry's mom wanted him to get into the postal service. Yeah. I, you know, this is a, a really funny scene. So have you ever watched the league, by the way? Um, I have seen it at times. OK, so Kate Azelton or Katie Azelton uh, is the uh, lead female in the league. Right. 
And uh, Jeff Schaefer writes all the episodes that are credited with the storyline for all the Curb episodes. So he's brought in now multiple She's married to league. one of the guys in the league, right? And she is married to Mark Duplass, one of the Duplass brothers who are, you know, uh, like their real f- gig is that they direct indie movies. Like mm-hmm. they're like the kings of the mumblecore uh, genre. But, okay. uh, you know, he's, I guess, probably best known for, for yeah, being one of the guys in the league. Okay. And so uh, that I, I liked her. I like the male carrier. She's excellent. She's a really good comic actress, actually, Katie Hazelton. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Larry puts his foot in his mouth a couple of times with her in terms of that. OK, well, my mom just wanted me to have job security, have some job. She didn't think I could do anything else. Not to say that this is, uh, you know, something substandard that you're doing. And so he wants her to bring a book to Richard Lewis's house because it's a couple of blocks away. She says, no, that would be free mail. That would be against the rules. I was I was talking about this with someone last week, not not the idea of a male person bringing you something, but like, you know how sometimes like people will ask for your advice. Like if you're an accountant, I wouldn't be like, hey, you know, you're an accountant. I like Rob. Hey, can you like look at my taxes and do my taxes for me? Because like you charge for that. Right. I mean, maybe if like, hey, like I'm asking you to do a favor, do me a favor and do them for free. But in general, it would be a weird request. Mm -hmm. But certain things, you know, certain professions you sort of like don't get paid for your time in that sense. Like, hey, uh, you know, like, you know, I'm a podcaster. Like you have to, you know, can you listen to my podcast or whatever? Right. Like, or even a doctor. Like, that. hey, could you look at this? I'm, uh, this rash. Well, I do that to every, any, literally any time I see a doctor, I will like, if I see, uh, you know, a guy I went to high school with and he's like, uh, you know, an eye doctor, I'll like, I'll, I'll ask him a question or like, I will, I will show, uh, you know, I will show any like dermatologist, like a, any sort of mole or anything. Most doctors don't want to see it. Um, but you know, I don't, I, I don't ask. They could always say no. Right. I, I am very big into just like, if I have a friend who's a doctor or like an old high school guy I run to, like I will, I will immediately like start asking them a million medical questions. Now I know that we have postal carriers that listen to the podcast. So maybe they could weigh in on this, but I wonder is, is there an equivalent to what you're talking about? Like, Hey, can you look at this is okay in any profession? Like, let's say Larry had like a package and he wasn't sure if it met the requirements for, you know, a uh, media mail or something like that. Hey, could you look at this and tell me, is this too big? Will the post office accept this? That's fine. But now Larry's asking her to actually do her job in terms of carrying a book, which is not, you know, it's not an envelope around for two blocks and go deliver that to, you know, now she's like a courier for Larry. Right. And also, like, if if this was your male person for years, it would be one thing. But he's asking to do, you know, a person to do a favor again and a favor that would get the person fired, probably. And he's just met her like 10 minutes ago. Right. There may be other sticklers yes. at the post office, too. Sure. You get busted, t- you know, with some free mail. You're, you can go to jail. Yeah. Now, we will probably talk about Seinfeld a few times in this episode. The idea of the Postal Service being sort of this black and white, play it by the rules, uh, you know, in industry or, you know, a part of our society. Is that the Larry David worldview of the Postal Service? I don't I don't know. I, I mean, Larry, it's funny because we just finished Seinfeld, which has no respect for any authority and no respect for any government employee or or really any sort of worker. But the but idea of Larry, like a stupid rule, I, I feel yeah. like is consistent yeah. with that. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think Larry uh, is. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. OK, 
So uh, Larry tells her that uh, a stickler is not a good look, that if she put that on her online dating, nobody would call her. She said she was a stickler. Yeah. At which point she mentions, you know, that she's single. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they will go on a date later on in the episode. By the way, did you know he brings up uh, he said his mom used to go down in her schmata. Did you know what a schmata was before he explained it? I I think I've heard the word before, but I probably would have needed a multiple choice. But I did laugh when he said it. Yeah. It literally means like rags. Mm hmm. OK, Larry is at a dinner party for Jeff and Susie. We heard earlier this season that Sammy was getting married. And so we have a little bit of an engagement party. Uh, Jeff has mention of the affair that w- went on last week. So, again, not a complete uh, standalone episode. Jeff gets sent to the basement to go uh, get some wine. And so uh, Larry and Richard Lewis talk about. Uh, whether men, uh, you know, care what a woman does for a living. Yeah. And also, uh, not just not not just talking about the affair, but uh, Susie mentions that like the new house, they they have not. This is the old house. Yes. But that they're going to move into the new house at some point. Um, You know, so that probably will come up again. We thought that they weren't going to be tying a lot of things together, but this episode started to make, make me think that they are sort of going to tie a lot of ends together by the end of the season in, mm. in terms of in terms of um women caring about what you do. I think this is like uh, it, they're not breaking new ground, but I think it's true, right? Uh, yeah, and it also feels like something that had to have uh, come up on Seinfeld before. Right. I think, right. So men don't care what women's jobs are, but women care a lot about what men's jobs are. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a generalization for yeah. sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that uh, there are definitely, you know, uh, you know exceptions to the rule certainly but yes uh yeah i mean that is that is the common thought there so what, what is like the what is what's the generalization for women thing about like podcasters mm, well i think it really just comes down to uh what you know is it a successful podcast or is it just sort of like a hobby that you know eats up all your time Right. No, no, no. It's your job. I just like, you know, when we say like women are attracted to jobs, so it's like they want doctors and lawyers and they don't want like people who aren't, you know, career oriented. So I mm-hmm. wonder like where podcaster falls on the spectrum. But, you know, yeah, typically not career oriented. Well, I don't know. It's too new of a gig. Like, who knows? It might become like the new the new doc podcasters or the new doctors. <laughs> yeah, it's just the new doctors. That's right. That's a good thought. <laughs> so um, we end up with uh, Sammy and her fiance uh, coming by the house. Um, what is uh, Sammy's fiance's name? Uh, Sammy's fiance's name in the show Victor? is Victor and yeah. it's Tom Hanks's son, Chet. Oh, okay. By the way, I watched the uh, David Pumpkins Halloween special over the weekend. Oh, how was that? I didn't see it. (laughs) It wasn't bad. I actually showed it to my kids and uh, they were pretty into it. It was kid friendly? Probably not for a four year old and a two year old, but uh, it was kid friendly enough. Because it was inappropriate or because it was over their heads? No, it was. I wouldn't say it was inappropriate. It was probably more of a PG in terms of a rating where my kids are going to should be watching stuff that is G. OK, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's probably more appropriate I, for kids that are like six to eight than uh, the age that I was showing them. I will say, and this is a generalization, but trust me, it's true. Now that you're going to be raising kids in uh, the City of Angels, I think you'll notice kids in L.A. are like so many years ahead of where like a kid would be if they were just growing up in like 
Madison, Wisconsin or or Wanta, Long Island. Yeah. Why do you say that? Because um, your kids are I just it's like an L.A. thing. Like kids, they're just like way advanced. OK, your kids are going to be like uh, coming home at seven. They're going to be like, all right, I went to Jimmy's house for a play date and we watched like, you know, the entire Saw franchise. OK. All right. You mean in terms of media consumption? Media consumption, the way they speak, the way they dress, it's going to be you're going to see it. it. It's a real thing. And uh, it's going to be interesting. OK, um, so we see everybody uh, really thank Victor for his service. Larry declines. Uh, he says that uh, that he doesn't like the phrase. Yeah, which is, you know, it, like if so many people did it, then maybe he thought it was overkill. Like, I don't think Larry's against the troops. Yeah. What's funny is that this almost became like, uh, you know, it's almost timelier with like the kneeling stuff. Right. And, and Larry David himself, I believe uh, that I know he at least went to boot camp. I'm not sure exactly uh, what his own uh, service uh, ended up entailing. But, mm, interesting. you know, I, I think that a, uh, a tweak that if I may be so bold that I think that mm-hmm. would have helped this story out where uh, like if he was not in the active military, but if he had like some sort of a job that was sort of like tangentially like affiliated with the military and Mm -hmm. it seems like because victor is not asking people to say thank you for your service but he does he's upset that larry didn't say it to him i think it would be uh, you know there would there would be more room to play with the comedy of this if it was like something where uh, like I, I don't know if he like was like some sort of like he worked on the website for the military or something like that where right. he had something to do with the military and he wanted to take credit and wanted to be thanked like people that were out there in the active service yet he had not been in the active service because I think it makes Larry seem like uh, you know an even bigger jerk that he just won't say it to this guy. Yeah. I mean, you think that would have been funnier if it paid off that way also? If like at the end it was like, wait, you were you were in the military, like but well, you I were think that you know, that might the photographer? Be, that, that might be pretty funny if it turned out that, you know, well, you know, that uh he wants to be thanked. And then, you know, I that to me that that feels more like the classic curb scenario where then afterwards Larry finds out that he wasn't in active service, but he was, you know, working on the website for, you know, uh, army.gov. And, uh, you know, Larry's like, uh, you know, it came to my attention that you were not a soldier out in the field, but you were working, you know, at a desk on the website. He's like, yeah, yeah, that was just as important. And, and you know, and the guy is like indignant about what Larry is asking him. To me, I, I feel like there's a little bit more that to, to have this person who probably should be thanked for his service. And then Larry just doesn't want to because he doesn't want to do what everybody else is doing. And then ultimately, I, I do think that the the PTSD stuff, I think, is also uh, a little problematic, a little problematic and um, like a little bit uh, on the note, like we you saw it coming from a mile away. The second they said PTSD and Revolutionary War reenactment, right? The valet parking exactly. stuff, right? I did, yeah. w- w- you know, I did not see coming, but you know, uh, that might, be, you know, sort of like maybe if it was like more of like a like a imagined PTSD as opposed right. to the Takahashi twist was good. Yes, yeah. Um, but I don't. But I the PTSD you knew was coming at that point. In fact, I'll I'll like uh, plant my flag this second. The I think the se- the season ends at Cheryl's kid's wedding. And there's like a fa- an actual like fatwa attempt, you know, uh, like assassination attempt at the wedding. And then Cheryl gets mad and the whole wedding goes insane. 
Right. I, I would guarantee that's how the season ends. Okay. Uh, interesting. Uh, I mean, but is, speaking of like people lying about their job or like puffing themselves up, um, I, I met a guy and I, it was, it was like a, fr- we went to like some like synagogue event and they're like, oh, we sat you with this other like young couple. I guess we're like young for the synagogue. And like, uh, you know, they're new, but you're going to like them. And like within eight seconds, I was like, oh, this is like DOA. <laughs> uh, like I got to get through a whole meal. And so I was just making small talk with the guy and I'm like, what do you do? And he like wouldn't and couldn't say. And I had asked his mom, his mom happened to be there because uh, he wasn't at the table. I was like, and she started saying like, oh, I don't know what he does, which is why I asked him. And and then like eventually he was like, I work in like counterterrorism or anti-terrorism or whatever, but like, I'm not allowed to say. And I was thinking like if you were at, like if someone was actually in like the CIA or the KGB or the Mossad or something, right? Like they would have a good answer. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have like a dorky like, oh, I'm too cool. I can't I can't actually tell you. They would just they have a pat. You know, if someone's in the CIA, right? Right. They have like a pat answer for what they tell you. They don't be like, nah, 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 nah. I'm not allowed to say. Right. That right. would be that's like a dorky move. Or even like Tony um, Soprano had like the go to. Uh, oh, I'm in waste management. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, yeah, or just cover say something story. really boring. Yeah. Have a cover story. Like say something really boring. That's going to get no follow up. Like if you say like I'm a social media manager for like a brand. uh, no one's going to ask which brand. And if someone asks which brand you could say like, Oh, I have like a non-disclosure. Like at least then it's like, Oh, you have a dorky job that you're not allowed to talk about as opposed to like, you're pretending to be cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So that reminded me of, uh, uh, you know, the, your idea with, with the guy who worked in, uh, that would be funny by the way, if he was like, if he managed the army's like social media and that's mm-hmm. like his PTSD, <laughs> thank you for your service. Like, Oh man, the Twitter trolls, they were like legendary. I have PTSD from them stuff. <laughs> Right. Right. Um, so we go and see Larry on this date at the movies uh, with the with the mail carrier. Uh, Larry talks about being the mail caddy for the mail carrier. Uh, Might have been funny if we would have actually gotten to see Larry like uh, end up at least one time attempting to be the mail caddy. It would have been funny. Yeah, we didn't have much more time. It's also such a bad idea. Like, it's a funny bit to mm-hmm. say for five seconds in the show. Mm-hmm. Like the, the post office doesn't need like twice as many employees like they're already like cratering and losing so much money. OK, Keith. So we're yeah. going to talk about something controversial here in terms of uh, what the mail carrier wants to do in terms of the movie snacks. Now, I know how you hate chocolate. Does this sound like the worst idea ever to you in terms of getting a bunch of snacks and mixing it together with the popcorn? You know, it it sounds like a thing that's like they didn't invent, right? This is like a class. This is like something people do. Yeah. Like they mix a few snacks in the popcorn. So I've certainly heard of it. And while I dislike chocolate, I don't hate milk duds, actually. I'm pro milk duds. Oh, really? Okay. Because I'm yeah, pretty my, pro my chocolate, anti-milk duds. Yeah, that's funny. I might, my hatred of chocolate starts with chocolate cake, chocolate muffins. Uh, there are a couple of chocolate bars. Chocolate I Chocolate muffin and, is and not great. Not. Yeah. Well, chocolate muffins are gross, but like any th- chocolate brownies, I meant like the the. Well, that, well, that you're I insane. Yeah. Well, it's just not for me. Okay. Not my taste. Um, that's what you tell your kids. Like, because I we had like uh, my we had, a, we had like an older person over and a lot of like older Jewish people love herring. You know what herring yeah, is, right? Yeah. No, it's not for and, me, but yeah. It's the, it's repulsive. So like they were trying to get uh, like my kid to eat herring. And I was like, no, that's gross. Don't eat it because I don't want my kids to start liking herring. And they were, they were like, got really mad. I was like, how could you tell your kid like 
you should let your kids eat all foods and like why are you like putting your taste on the kids and they're going to become picky eaters i'm like herring is not a normal food it's just like what a bunch of like old like jewish dudes from like the 50s Mm -hmm. like but it's like it's literally the example of like a gross smelly food on like every buzzfeed video when they're like you know like like millennials try disgusting foods and then it's like eight different types like swedish herring (laughs) um so like i don't want my kids to like Mm -hmm. herring what does that mean like this person was like and they got really mad. I'm like, no, the, the herring consumption stops with this with this generation. That's my goal now. After this podcast, that's my number one thing. I'm the number one like anti-herring activist. Anti-herring. You're pushing the reset button. I'll become a vegan if I need to. I'm pushing the reset button on like the world's and no offense to Sweden. I'm sure it's their like national food or something. But like in America, like the like, the, you know, the herring consumption has got to go down to zero. OK. Think of all the poor, poor herring. I think you can do it. I mean, it's such a bad food. It's it's one of these acquired tastes where like no one actually likes it. It's just their father like force fed it to them when they were two, like because they have a lot of herring in synagogues sometimes after services. And and so it's like that's the only food there. So you put it on a cracker and you eat it, but it's repugnant. And like, luckily, my father doesn't like it. The same guys who like herring are very into scotch and my dad doesn't drink. Mm -hmm. So if if you like scotch, which probably is probably another myth that no one actually likes to taste scotch, they just get used to it. Mm hmm. But yeah, no herring. We're we're bringing down the whole herring industry. Yeah. By the end of the season, we have five more episodes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll try to see if we can get it in there every week. Hopefully, there'll be like a big uh, herring story. Does it matter if you broil or saute herring? Would you have it broiled? I don't even know. It's just I don't. I don't even. I I don't know. How, like what? First of all, I don't really know what the difference between broil and saute is. Mm-hmm. To be honest, because I don't yeah. know how to cook. All right. Those are just like words that don't mean anything. Well, to just me. to go back to the popcorn uh, thing that uh, this, yeah. this actually did come up on a podcast that I did uh, some time ago. But uh, Spencer Pratt talked about how this was him and Heidi. Uh, this would be a thing that they would do at the movie theater. They say they, they swore by this. Put the milk duds and all the candy in with the popcorn. Yeah, someone that wrote in and said that um, it's it rings a bell. It definitely is, is something that the curb did not invent. Right. I mean, unless you are also like going to get like utensils also in there. I mean, it seems like, uh, you know, a, a, you know, it's all dark. Your hands are probably so gross by the end of the by like you, the lights come out and it looks like, you know, your, your <laughs> yeah, are, crime scene with. happens. Right. It basically. You know, but your show next Wednesday night is in a movie theater. Yeah. So if anybody wants to try this, let me know. Yeah. Make this concoction. Let us know afterwards. Okay. Just don't shake. But don't shake their hands. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jinx. (laughs) All right. And don't put herring in there either. Oh, but you will. By the way, if someone is herring, you will be able to. You'll be able to smell it from, uh, you know, no matter where in the theater they are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keeve. So Larry is pretty grossed out by the popcorn um ultimately when we get there but before we uh get it larry has to buy all those snacks uh she's saving the seats for him larry has to find her in the movie theater and again uh we're in familiar seinfeld territory at this point where larry is in the crowded movie theater trying to find uh, the mail carrier yeah this is usually kramer trying to find the crew or jerry's trying to find kramer we've definitely seen this before they're just trying to establish like that it's a bad date Mm -hmm. i do think they could have gone a little further with making the date worse this is almost like a realistic bad date, whereas like you normally you'd expect Curb to go like cartoonishly bad. So when Larry sort of tries to reset the relationship uh, at the end of the scene, it, you know, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
Larry ultimately at the end of the night uh, tells uh, the mail carrier that he would like to uh, scale back how much they see each other because now he wasn't really thinking it through and he has to see her every day. And so he'd like a reset if possible. He wants a reset in the relationship. I don't Is she not having it because they've been on a date? Like, is she more into him than 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 he is to her? Like, I'm not sure why she's so anti reset. I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, the kind of thing that feels good to be dumped. You know, I think yeah. that uh, the, no matter what happened, even if she wasn't into him, you know, she doesn't want to hear that, that he's dumping her. If anything, she probably wanted to be the dumpy of him. And again, right. You know, maybe she's looking at Larry like, hey, you know, I'll be all, all I have to do is, you know, uh, marry Larry David. You know, uh, I'll be, you know, moving, move into this house instead of uh, delivering the mail here. Um. Yeah, yeah, I just it like she also must have had a bad time. So it's it's interesting that she's, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, really not willing to reset the relationship. Like she's got this annoying, older, creepy guy. She could just like, you know, go back to square one with him and she's not willing to. Mm-hmm. OK, so Larry's hitting the uh, reset button there. Uh, we see him the next day back at the golf course. And he wants to hit the reset button with Sal, the security guard. Yeah. Sal is less into the uh, the reset idea even than uh, Katie Hazleton is. Mm hmm. Yeah. OK. So, uh, you know, again, it doesn't go well with Sal either. Sal is not having it. Now, I think the difference is like Katie Hazleton, it's a reasonable request. right? We went on a date. It didn't work. Can you just be my male person again? By the way, we've only known each other for like two days. With Sal, this is a relationship that's been going on for a long time. You can't just stop it once. It, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you can't rip. The, you, this is not a uh, a phone call breakup. This is an in-person breakup. OK, so we see Larry at the club with Jeff. Uh, Jeff lets Larry know Victor is upset that Larry did not say thank you for your service to uh, to Victor. Yeah, the least realistic thing in this episode, maybe in the history of the show, is that offhand Jeff knows that Victor's very into Civil War reenactments. If we know Jeff, especially like a typical Hollywood agent, he's never had one conversation with his uh, fiance's future, uh, you know, husband. And there's no way he knows this about him. Right. And I, it just it still seems weird to me that Victor would care if Larry David uh, said thank you for your service. Yeah, by the way, from what I know. Most uh, soldiers are pretty indifferent, like maybe they appreciated it at best, like they're pretty indifferent right. to the thank you for your service. Right. I, so, I, I'd assume it gets old also very quickly. Right. It just paints Victor to be, you know, the weirdo here where it should be. Larry is the weirdo. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Larry could not want to say it, but, you know, it makes him it, it paints Victor in a negative light that he's so petty that he cares uh, what Larry has to say. But yeah, why? Why would he write? Well, he just like ran away the second Larry couldn't say it. It does make him look like a weirdo. We don't know him. We've never met Victor before. Right. OK, uh, so Larry ends up running into the chef and he wants to ask the chef about does he remember broiling the fish? What face did he make? And so the uh, chef really paints a very different picture than what Larry saw about the face made for the broiling fish request. Yeah. And by the way, we talked about cutting the scene. I think you just cut it down to like just that. And he says, wow, that's much different. And then we, it doesn't go anywhere. I think that's better than like going on with him. This scene went on too long with the chef and then too long with the waiter. Yeah. I also think it was weird that the chef did not give more of an explanation about why he made a uh, I guess it's like, OK, I, I like to saute the fish, but 
You know, he doesn't really explain of why, you know, he's so against broiling the fish. Well, the chef is an artist and maybe he doesn't, you know, it's his food that he decided on. A lot of places you can't just like some restaurants are like very good, like they'll replace anything. And some restaurants like, no, you got to stick to the you know, the chef is a torture genius and you got to stick to his ideas. Yeah. So that's a semi horse winnie uh, for that, which turns out to be a uh, strong request. So Larry goes and talks to the waiter. Now, Keeve, why did the waiter downplay the face? I don't know. I think he just want. I think it's easier to just ask the chef and then not have to go back to crazy Larry. Right. Does it and say like he wasn't tip? into it? Yeah. And then, yeah, it affects his tip. And then Larry's also, you know, going to going to give him a longer speech. Whereas Larry lets him go once he says, oh, he's not really offended by your request. Yeah. And so they sort of like debate about uh, what the face looked like. And so, yeah, I guess it does. Uh, if you were just trying to resolve the conflict, if you're the waiter, I guess that does make sense. Yeah. All right. So here is Larry with Mr. Takahashi. And yes. Takahashi is not happy. And yeah, Takahashi, we've seen before. Uh, with Larry uh, in, you know, uh, I think he's been on twice, but the first time I'm not sure if he was playing Takashi. But the last time Larry was almost kicked out of the club with the black swans and stuff. Takahashi okay. was there now, many he, years ago. So Takahashi knows that he is the father of this baby and he knows that Larry said something about the baby. So is Takahashi in on the cover up here? Is it that, OK, I got to get Larry David out of the club yeah. because he's the person that is putting two and two together here? Yeah, he's the only person who's sort of said this so far. And let's get let's get him, you know, before the kid gets older and maybe people really notice. Like, let's let's get him out of here. He, plus, he's, you know, a ridiculous troublemaker who, you know, the first thing any club should do is kick out the Larry David. So, mm -hmm. right. It's a it's a win win. So Takahashi, in a masterstroke, gets rid of the one person who can really, uh, you know, uh, get the word out about what Takahashi did. And then also he can throw a bone to Ken, uh, who is very upset about what Larry David said. Yeah. And, and listen, the, Takahashi had just, you know, terribly bad luck, a stupid move, you know, doing, you know, cheating like 10 feet away from the club, essentially. Mm -hmm. but. You know, it was pretty, uh, you know, like the opposite of fortuitous to uh, to have Larry just stumble onto his car while he's making out with the girl in the car. Right. All right. So back at the house, uh, Larry is awaiting this letter from Takahashi. Now, why Takahashi has to mail him the letter of what the sentence is? I mean, Larry's like Ezekiel Elliott waiting for uh, this punishment to come down. Yeah, it's I think once the lawyers get involved, then there's a lot of certified letters getting mailed. Yeah. And so we see Larry waiting for the mail. Leon is incensed. Where's the mail, Larry? How could we not be getting the mail? Yeah. Leon's CD of the month club is not sending him any CDs. Yeah. And so uh, Richard Lewis is getting his mail, but Larry is not. And Leon uh, is not getting his CD of the month. Do you remember those? Did you ever get a CD of the month club when you were a kid? Yeah, there used to be like in the newspaper, like the thing where you would like, uh, like lick like the postage stamps and like put them on there. And they had like the different like CD covers of like the six CDs that you would get. Right. Well, wasn't there also like the Columbia House and BMG? BMG? Yeah. 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 And it seemed like a good deal. I think they had that for like VHS tapes also. Yeah, probably before that. But I remember the CDs. You could probably also still get like cassettes when it first started. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. So Leon's still doing that. And uh, that Leon is very surprised to find out that Larry didn't even uh, tap it. And he still isn't getting the mail. 
I love Leon's line where it's like, yeah, I, that same thing happened to me with a girl at Burger King. I uh, <laughs> haven't had a Whopper in three years. <laughs> yeah. You can't date any of these women that you're going to see every day. That's the important lesson to be learned here. So uh, Larry is back at the gate and Sal will not let Larry in. He's on the do yeah. not admit list and that Sal is not giving Larry any leeway. For Elvin. Yeah. By the way, one more good line, by the way, neither rain nor snow nor sleet nor spite should be the new. Uh, yeah, they mantra. should put spite in there. Uh, yeah. So, the, yeah. Uh, now, Sal, the, the attendant, has all the power in this relationship. LD is on the top of the do not admit list uh, and he's not allowed in. Yeah. Now. OK, so we'll we'll see Larry at the Revolutionary War reenactment. Um, are you surprised that Larry so willingly goes to the Revolutionary War reenactment? I think he feels bad that he insulted the soldier. Uh, and he's probably curious about it. Larry likes history. It's not so crazy that he would go to this thing. Yeah. But to me, it does seem weird that Larry didn't care enough about this guy just to say, thank you for your service. But now is going to spend the whole day with, you know, somehow he's just sort of like saddled with Victor for the rest yeah, of the Yeah. Why doesn't he try to tell Sal that, hey, I'm going to go to your thing to make it up for you to, to you like that would that would actually earn him points if he said that before he went. You know, then Sal would be like, oh, well, you know, the the celebrity is here for my thing. That's actually very impressive. Yeah. So I really don't understand how these things work. Keith, do you have any sort of sense of these uh, war reenactments? Like, do people they they don't have like a predetermined part where, you know, a guy next to Larry ends up dying very early on. And Larry's like, hey, wake up, wake up. You're going to miss all the fun. It's really funny. Yeah. He dies like a minute into the three hour fight. That's pretty funny. Right. But what do you do? Is it like paintball? Is there like a a game to it or is it just a really good question? I just don't know. So I'm sure someone out there has gone to a war war re- revolutionary war like reenactment yeah, do you like get like a number of like okay well at, at, then at you know uh, 203 your person died this seems like a very american thing hmm do you think like isis is doing like war reenactments like i i feel like this is like well, totally i think american. isis is, pro- is probably the wrong example but yeah, yeah. It, it would be interesting to know like you know do our, other cultures reenact wars like this right right i mean i guess there's nerds in other countries like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so but, yeah by the way th- this i had never even like thought about being interested in something like this but now like watching the episode and then your questions sort of make me curious as like i do think it's probably more scripted right it's not like it's not like the you know the british side can win all of a sudden if they're if their team does better that day like i think you probably have to stick to like a relatively strict script i'm not sure you could just go and show up without any you know sort of uh uh you know instruction i also like that larry promotes himself when he gets there and is very proud of like how good he is at fake dying now we have uh these you know civil war reenactments or revolutionary war reenactments well why don't we have these in like sports like why why isn't there like a super bowl three reenactments or anything like that it's a good question. Like, how would you do a Super Bowl three reenactment? Which, by the way, I'll, I'm definitely willing to be a part right, of. Yeah, so what's you know, your a idea? bunch of guys that are gonna, you know, be put up where the, I feel like that would be easier than to pull off something like so this. You go to like a football field and you act out the whole game, yeah. like play by play. Yeah, that's both like I. We did see uh, when we were doing the Seinfeld podcast. Some friends of mine did a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, it's an amazing idea. I don't know if the whole game we have like, table reads all over the place. It's true. You yeah, uh, there's probably 125, 150 plays in a football game. Right. So that that would take a while. I do wonder if it would be like a last two minute situation. 
Right. Like if we could reenact like the drive or, or, you know, or the catch, like individual plays, that would be fun to reenact. It would be fun. Although, you know, you sort of like, you have like these like great catches and then I don't know what to do if the person doesn't catch the ball. Well, you got to, if it's one play, you might have to do 50 takes on the same play. I until have to, you get you it. Keep going until you make it. Like how I many, you're trying to go viral here. Yeah. Yeah. How many times will it take for you to get all the plays right in the game? Yeah, it's a good like, well, that's, you know, you're not going to cast Larry David as your Odell Beckham. You might find like an act like, OK, who's the best receiver out of us? What play would you most want to reenact? What what play would I most want to reenact from a football yeah. game? Yeah, like uh, maybe the David Tyree play. I feel like that's a cool play to reenact. Uh, I mean, the, I mean, there's really no winners there, Keith. No, there's no winners. <laughs> but in terms of like, what's a cool play? That's a very cool play. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um so then uh going back to uh, this revolutionary war reenactment uh so here is now sal he's on the other side and he sees larry does sal have a working cannon can you explain yeah, the mechanics of yeah. this here it doesn't make any sense right like did he did he like load them without anybody's permission yeah, right there's they have working cannons they you know is it is it the uh in the mind of of uh, Victor, I don't think so because he said, "Look at the ground. There's actually like uh, you know holes in the ground." Yeah. So I, I think like he he does have a working cannon, and maybe it's supposed to make a noise, but he's actually firing stuff because he's crazy and he's like trying to get like, back. Do at Larry. things just explode at these reenactments? And, and I don't like, think so. I, I, I could not so. tell if if Sal actually was shooting cannonballs at Larry. Yeah, I think he was. If it was all part of the show. Uh, yeah, but either sure. way, Victor is uh, not feeling it. I mean, why would Larry see it then? You know, it looked like Victor was seeing it, but like Larry would have just stayed if it, if you know, if, if he wasn't firing anything serious. So my my guess is that maybe, uh, uh, you know, th they were actually but they fired the hit, guns and they're blanks. So yeah, the guns are blanks. Is so that he would pointing be too much. the cannon at them, and then also things are exploding like uh, yeah. on the on the field because that's what what happens during these things. Or I, I mean, it seems insane. I think they've gone a little far. It's insane, but I think they've they've sort of uh, upped the ante without anybody's permission here. I also think this is probably like the most expensive scene in the history of the show. They really are spending more money. Like <laughs> this was this was not a cheap scene. Yeah, uh, it's insane either way. Anyway, so uh, Victor starts to snap here. Yeah, Victor starts to snap. You sort of get Victor's perspective that he's clearly suffering from like, uh, you know, a bout of PTSD. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we watched Survivor. There was an it was like a real like sort of live case of PTSD depicted last week on the show. Right. Um, and it did. You know, it, it sort of looked a little bit like that, honestly, where he just like needed to go off and like. You know, it was like sort of lying down and gathering his thoughts and like waiting for it to go away. Mm -hmm. uh, but but like you say, it's a weird thing to sort of be joking about. Um, I don't think they're not going to like catch any flack for it today. I don't think I also too don't much think other veterans, stuff going on too much other stuff going on. I think also like there's certain groups that you if you offend are very sensitive and will run, you know, and and, and yell about it. I don't think veterans are, are especially sensitive. Right. But I, I do think they, they I do cool think that, that though, this would be a thing like if it got traction with the right groups. Like, yeah. I think that that they could end up with, like, you know, having to do an apology for this. It's a good point, except like if you are a student of like the modern sort of like news cycle, like you are, you know that like things people are dumb and like lots of things every day could get traction. But like they just it's hard to get for something to get. You know what I mean? It's hard for something yeah. to get a lot of traction. And this is never going to get traction, especially on a busy news day like today. OK, so uh, we end up seeing uh, Larry and Victor get away 
And so they end up uh, running into Mr. Takahashi. We see the Mr. T car and uh, Mr. Takahashi is in the car with Ken's wife. Yeah, it's funny. The, the only did you know, like, I guess you, it's obvious. But remember, we only saw Ken's wife for a split second in the background. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if they should have, like, you know, introduced her more. Maybe in that scene where she came over and she was like even more like doubly offended that uh that he's you know saying like oh this baby's asian like what's wrong with you why would you say that to somebody because mm -hmm. you know we, we you recognize her because like who's he in the car with but it's not like you know the woman from right the process scene. of elimination we're able to figure yeah. out yeah okay but that is a great reveal i don't want to take yeah. anything away. no it was, it, it was very thing. fun and larry says okay so uh that uh i'll be back at the club <laughs> yeah oh he knows he's got the upper hand immediately and this is a good deal by the way for takahashi like just have to let this one dope back into the club and he's going to keep your huge secret that's not bad right although Perhaps, though, that's going to create more problems down the road where Ken is like, hey, why did you let Larry David back into the car? Oh, yeah, that's going to scandal. The cover up is going to be worse than the crime, although I don't think it's worse than the crime. <laughs> right. All right. So then uh, we end up seeing uh, Larry, uh, you know, coming back to the club and then he's in the car with Victor, who ends up seeing all the valet parking guys, uh, the red coats. He ends up uh, his uh, PTSD is confusing him with everything that's going on with the uh, Revolutionary War reenactment. And he gets out of the car and starts chasing the valet Parkers. Right. I do like the fact that they're red and it's the red coats. And again, we're not totally sure in the episode what we see is real and what what is Victor's perspective. But clearly in this scene, it's just Victor's perspective. Yeah. Uh, so ultimately, uh, we see Larry walking down the street and then the uh, male lady ends up uh, slowing down Jean. And then uh, she says, uh, hey, uh, a-hole, uh, you know, thank you. <laughs> uh, hey, a-hole, here's your mail. Uh, and then Larry also gets a thank you for your service. Yeah, it's funny. It's a nice tag to end. Because, you know, you kind of think it's going to end because how could you get bigger than this wacky valet scene? But yeah, like her, her coming back because we haven't seen her really since uh, the very beginning of the show. Yeah. Since I, uh, the movie theater. And, you know, it's a, it's a nice tag to the episode. Yeah. Larry getting smacked with the box is uh, pretty strong. Yeah. No, it's a good ending. And then uh, Leon comes out and gets his uh, DVD of the month club or uh, or uh, CD of the month club. So, um, you know, uh, is, you know, uh, fun ending. Yeah. Good ending. Yeah. Um, all right. Keeve. So. Mm -hmm. Here we are. What, what are we going to do? Uh, give the episode a uh, a numerical grade? Yeah, numerical grade. Yeah. Uh, for me, I feel like that this episode, uh, not the uh, best episode of the season. There definitely was some uh, fun moments along the way. I'm going to say overall, this one was a six. Oh, wow. That's very low. Again, it's, uh, you know, if five is the average, it's above average in my scoring. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know. So it's a six. Okay. I have it a higher. Uh, to me, this is up there with probably episode one, I think was still the best. But to me, this is basically an episode three, I think was the weakest. This is probably in a tie with last week and two. I'd say maybe one, two, five, four, three or something. But uh, I, I this episode, I'll give a seven point one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> okay. Now you're just like making up arbitrary numbers. Well, no, I'm giving it a seven. I may be adding a decimal or two, but, mm -hmm. you know, can't can't lessen the decimals. Once I go to like six or seven, I can only do more next week. You know, the next week I can't have. I mean, you decimal. gave it a seven. I gave it a six. And you're like, oh, well, that, that's very low. Six is very low to me. A seven and a six. The difference is planets. A seven is a 70, right? That's pa like if you had a really hard test, you got a 70, you're like, oh, I didn't do well, but I passed. 
A six is failing. This is, but it's not That's a 60. test. It's not a test. It is a test. <laughs> it's not Unless like you give a whole a whole number. Like to me, a whole number is is weak. I mean, in the Olympics, do they adopt your scoring system of seven is passing but six is failing? I mean, it depends on what uh, what event. Like, what event is out of ten in the Olympics? Uh, figure skating. I think it's like out of like a weird number now. We used to <laughs> gymnastics used to be out of ten, but na- now it's like right. Uh, dancing with the stars is that how they look at the, these numbers? Yeah. Okay. So you want it to be fixed beforehand? <laughs> is, that, is that what you're alleging? Uh, do they pretend that it's real? Dancing with the stars? I don't think it's like wrestling. It's like whoever's nice to the producer that week gets to stay. Like what? You don't think of if someone's like a, a big celebrity on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. You don't think they promise, like, just try your hardest and we'll let you in till at least week five or six? You don't think it's because they have a following? Oh, I mean, I, I don't care why they're saying it. It's because, oh, you mean following who votes for them? Yeah. They, they don't, they will not reveal their, um, their method of counting, like how much the audience counts for versus the judges, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I believe, so it, once you're not, once a reality show is, is not revealing what they, you know, how they score, it, it, it's, it's, you know, I feel like this is a totally hot take. It's not a hot take. This is a fact. I mean, it might be a hot take, but it's also true. And now I, I, I've never seen like a dancing. with Maybe I've seen like a dance, but I've never definitely never seen a full episode. Mm-hmm. Um, But if we have, you know, you do have a Dancing with the Stars podcast in your employ. Like we can ask them if they if they think well, not for long. Or... Once you, the word gets out that you say it's fixed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what's going to happen? People are going to stop listening to the podcast yeah. because I said that it's fixed. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think does Mike Bloom's wife do a podcast about that? We'll ask. We'll ask. Uh, we'll ask. Uh, Angela She's not Bloom on that one. She's, not on that, one. Uh, She's uh, not on that one. No. Okay. All right. We'll ask Lita. Okay. Okay. Keeve, let's get into yeah. the curb mailbag. Curb at postshowrecaps.com. And mm-hmm. uh, we got a few emails uh, to talk about this week. Uh, Craig from Vancouver wants to know why was Larry walking home? His car worked. It's not like he couldn't get out. So what was the deal? It's a very good question. Why, why did he work, walk home? Like, did his, what happened to his car? Like, did it get destroyed in the fight with the valet? Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Where is there a scene that, that, like, that got cut at the end where his car gets ruined? I don't know. Did the valet parkers like repossess his car? Like, did, it, did they, did yeah. a car get destroyed? And they like, like took it hostage? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe he couldn't, maybe just ran away. Is that possible? Like, it was so crazy, he <laughs> ran away. That's, that, that's my guess. Yeah. Also, Craig from Vancouver says, amazed they're still able to get Ashley Holloway to play Sammy Green on the show. I checked the actress's IMD bags and she has not been in any other project other than Curb Your Enthusiasm since 2008. Yeah, it's funny. This is the same actress from 01. So she has literally been playing the same uh, character for 16 years to the point where she is no longer a professional actor, like you said, or at least is not, you know, maybe she's in theater. I have no idea what she does. I, I'm not going to say I checked her Facebook, but if I did, she's a server at a restaurant mm-hmm. in L.A. And um, she uh, what's it called? Like, it's fun, you know, how many actors have played the played the exact same role from like the time they were eight till the time they were like 20 something. It's pretty, uh, pretty cool. But yeah, I, as far as that, yeah, I don't I'm not surprised she was available. If that's what you're saying. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm sure she got the call. It was like took the day off work and was very happy. Yeah. All right. Keeve, uh, what about Dominic? Yeah, he he wants to know if we've ever tried the milk duds in the popcorn or if you ever tried it since it was mentioned in the Spice and Hour no, days. I, I have not tried it. I have no interest in trying it. Um, but um, well, listen, when you're watching the Survivor episode next week, like you're just, a, you know, another person watching the episode before you start the show. I think it's a good time to do it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I, people are gonna be like, "What's that horrible stuff on Rob's hand yeah. during the show?" I don't want to be handling, you know, uh, melted chocolate. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, in the in the dark. Thank you very much. Yeah, 
That's that's a fair point. I mean, what about Ronka? What does she have to say? Right. <laughs> yeah, what we- <laughs> Ronka says uh, the episode was great. Uh, I think it's crazy about this episode. Once Victor's PTSD started the show, and then at the end, I saw it was written by Larry Charles. So I guess that explains it. That uh, we've talked about how Larry Charles uh, was part of a lot of the wackier things that happened in Seinfeld. Uh, Ronka also says my office has a security guard that is like Sal and makes small convo with most people, but somehow he never did with me, which made me feel excluded. Then one day he started to talk to me about everyday stuff. And now it's two years later. I dread going to work every morning because of that. I can't hit the reset button. Has this ever happened to you? I have the feeling that this happened to Akiva, maybe from his NBC days. I'm trying to th- yeah, the only one I could remember is I used to wear in the winter. I used to wear to NBC like a Yukon sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. I'm a Yukon fan. And one of the security guards would stop me and would talk to me about Yukon and said he was Kemba Walker's brother. You don't know who Kemba Walker is, right? No. He was uh, he, he was the best player on a Yukon team that won the national championship. And now he's an NBA All-Star. You're really not a basketball guy. No. And not that Kemba Walker is that famous, but he was in the All-Star game last year. Uh, and anyway, and then I Google it once and like, I don't know. It didn't seem like they were actually brothers. I'm not sure if he was telling the truth hmm. or not. Okay. You fact check them. Yeah. I mean, it, I didn't think, I don't think he had brothers or like something didn't add up or Kemba's the oldest and this guy had to be younger, I think. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was 16 and working as a security guard. Here's the good news though. Uh, we don't run into that many people in our everyday lives, right? No, that's why I think it's, it's a chicken or an egg thing though. Like I think we... We don't run into them because we don't want to run into them also. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think you have this with neighbors also, like, uh, like you know, you, you, you talk to them once and then you end up having like the same conversation every single time with them. Yeah, it's like everyone knows one thing about you. It's like, hey, how's the Jeep or like, how's the podcast? You know, like you have your one thing mm-hmm. or, it's, yeah. you know, how's your grandma feel? Like it's, a, you know, you just have the one thing and then you go back to them and it's a lot of small talk and I'm anti-small talk. So, right. Only big talk for Keeve. Anti-hiring yeah, Jack talk. Jack wants to make <laughs> Yeah. Jack wants to make a prediction. He says that uh he's gonna he's gonna plant his flag that the Larry look like that Mary's gonna date, or Mary was dating that we saw a couple episodes ago, is gonna make a comeback at the end of the season and be killed in the fought one instead of Larry. Wow. That's a nice prediction. I like it. Wow. That's a bold prediction. Yeah, that's not I, I don't think I think he was too minor to really like come back unless they're they're pulling like a season nine finale of Seinfeld where they're bringing back everybody from this season, which that would be fun. Now, I think is Jack getting spoilers from the Kirby Enthusiasm Reddit? Do you think the Kirby Enthusiasm Reddit has a lot of spoilers? <laughs> I'm not even sure if there is one. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then uh, Chester, uh, Chester, ever the stickler, says, uh, for a stickler, Jean seems to be pretty comfortable abandoning her legal duty just to spite Larry. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think the male the people would really... Look fondly. I don't know. Do you think they have a policy on dating the people on your route? Oh, is, is that, that is there a policy there? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, that's a good. It's a good question. I'm not. I sure. can't imagine there's like a federal rule against it, but maybe it's frowned upon. But certainly throwing the mail at somebody because you don't like them, I would imagine that would probably be frowned upon. Yeah, like what is she doing with the mail? She's just like letting it stack up. Yeah, like w- w- she must have had it like in the in a in a special sec, like maybe in the glove compartment of her of yeah. her truck. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, uh, it does seem like there's a fairly uh, bustling uh, red subreddit for uh, curb enthusiasm. Uh, Reddit uh, slash r slash curb. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, someone plug the podcast there, please. <laughs> right. Okay. And then Keeve uh, Chester really, uh, he might have strained something uh, patting himself on the back uh, with this Ooh. final take. He says, I'd just like to point out that in my email last week, 
I wrote, what's with Curb killing characters off screen anyway? Is this like Game of Thrones and they're trying to save their budget for a big battle scene? And literally in the next episode, there was a big battle scene. I will be available to read fortunes and bless babies at the Seinfeld live episode next week. Wow. Blessing babies. Don't bring babies, by the way. Yes, please. Rob and I are going only going to the city to get away from. I'm coming in for a week without my kids or my oh, wife. Man. Like I'm, I'm a I'm a, a, you know, a man about town this week. Like I'm a, a lone wolf. Yeah. I'm very okay. excited. You are bringing your kids foolishly. Not to this, though. Not to not to the Seinfeld podcast. Right. If they're I mean, maybe if they really misbehave, like I, I'm sending punishment. my kids to Long Island. <laughs> what is that a punishment? Is that good? Yeah, like I'll be a, in the city. Right. You'll be in the city. Um, but, you know, if you were really smart, you would you would have left them in Los Angeles. That's right. All right. Keith. Uh, so yes. great job. We're halfway through the curb season. Yeah, right back at you. Next week, uh, I see the title's called The Accidental Text on Purpose. Yes, The Accidental Text on Purpose. So uh, we will both be on the East Coast at the time we record uh, that episode next week as we get ready for our live Seinfeld podcast on Tuesday the 7th. Again, go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld ticks for tickets to the live show. Uh, a very reasonable $10. And we will post the link for the ticket page at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, looking forward to meeting some of you people there. Uh, you know, if, if you're if you're an hour and change deep into the Curb podcast and you live near New York, you'll probably come. Yeah, come on uh, out. Be a lot of fun. Yeah, if you if you like can't get the day off work or you don't live in, in this part of the country or, or or you don't even live in the country, like abandon your family, quit your job, you know, throw yourself into financial ruin and and, you know, on a whim, come and hang out with us next week. <laughs> okay, Keith, what's the hashtag today? Huh? Hashtag uh, anti-herring. Yeah, anti-herring. I like it. <laughs> and if you're pro-herring, then put in pro-herring. But if you're pro-herring, you're banned from the podcast. Do you don't, need and something don't... catchier like heart of herring or something like that? Well, that's confusing because if heart of herring is, are heart of herring people the pro-herring people or the anti-herring well, people? Well, and, sure. and if you're heart of herring, then, you know, then he's like, wait, what did you say? He's like... Um, so you might not catch on. Yeah. People have said like, haha, I'm going to bring you like Twizzlers to the live show. Like, do not bring us herring. <laughs> no, no. And do not bring pull and peel herring either. No, no. pull and pe- Oh boy. That would be <laughs> gross. Uh, also, I, I inadvertently said on a Seinfeld podcast that, uh, ostrich burgers were kosher and they're not. So don't bring ostrich burgers. We were going to feed everyone ostrich burgers. Okay. That's out now. Okay. Uh, so very exciting stuff. And, uh, we will get, should people bring you any, are you requesting anything from the listeners? No, I'm sure people, someone will bring me Twizzlers, but other than Twizzlers, uh, no. Yes to Twizzlers, no to Herring. I did have a thought, like, should I, I used to no like. chocolate muffins. I used to like bribe. When I was a counselor, I would have my, my parents, uh, my dad worked in the camp. So my mom would come up from Long Island for like the weekends. And I'm like, hey, bring my, my campers donuts because then they'll like me and give me big tips. Uh, so I was thinking, like, should I bribe them and bring people donuts? But I, I, it's, it seems like a big schlep into the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like around the well, city. Well, who are you bribing? Like the a donut, it's like. Yeah, to have like a good show because they're going to be eating donuts and they won't realize if the show sucks. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good. It'll just keep people uh, eating the donuts and that'll be, uh, then they can't be booing or they could throw the donuts at us though. And if they are booing, it'll just feel like, oh, you won't be able to hear it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, good stuff. Uh, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre for putting this all together. Keith, what's coming up on the 32 Fans podcast besides the uh, Kevin Spacey uh, we auction? Ranked- yeah, we ranked uh, the QBs in the NFL, all 32 of them, from uh, 32 Brett Hundley to number one. I, I, it's not such a big surprise. Tom Brady, 
Uh, and everyone in between ranked on performance in 2017 or value yeah, going I forward. I think like yeah, performance in 2017 plus like who would you rather have for the rest of this season, not long term value. Is this for fantasy or just for overall? No, real real football. Come on, we're not fantasy. I mean, we we like fantasy football, but this is not a fantasy football show. Right. Okay. Because I mean, uh, rank rank quarterback, you know, uh, value outside of fantasy doesn't you know help you uh, that much in terms of figuring anything out, right? I mean, it's just an interesting like debate. Yeah. It's just, well, I guess you know, we, we, instead I, of picking games, yeah, we got you got 17 weeks. We got to come up with a find out what everybody's week. Chester score is. Yeah, he, there was a lot of Chester QBR that he, uh, you know, speaks of as if it's like the most important metric in the world. Yeah. But, uh, nobody similar to Dancing with the Stars. Nobody knows how it's actually calculated. How old is Brett Hundley? It might be fixed. Uh, Brett Hundley, I think he. Well, he, he, is he is he a rookie? He was on UCLA, but I'm sure he. I think he was already gone last year because. Chosen Rosen was playing. So Brett Hundley is 24. But he looks like he's 44. You think he looks old? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, this is actually his third year. I, I thought it was his second year. It's his third year in the league. Brett it's Hundley. like it's his 23rd year. You know who You know who looks old? Probably us to him because he's 24 <laughs> years old. <laughs> he was barely born in the 90s. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, good stuff, Keith. Uh, we will uh, talk to you guys uh, next week. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.